You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Team Sheikh. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for our panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. On today's show, our guest is Ali Ladakh. As a marketing science lead, Ali predicts optimal marketing approaches to drive his client's success. Assalamualaikum Ali, how are you? I'm well, Fatima, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you so much. Um, so your role is with Facebook, just so everyone knows. Um, you've had many previous ups and downs and previous roles before you got here. Um, so I'm excited to let everyone know exactly what you do. Um, and we're also going to speak a little bit on how uh, Facebook is um, using its content uh, optimization to bring forth more information about uh, COVID-19 and how that's being filtered out uh, from fake news and what's actually factual. Um, so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Uh, so let's start a bit with how you started um, in your career. So what was, do you think, the beginning for you? So um, I've been in uh, the world of analytics for about 10 years. Um, and it, it's, it's a funny way that I started in it. It was, it was by accident. Um, and I had, I had mentioned to you before, Fatima, that I had started in um, working for a company where I was doing contract negotiations and litigations for them. Mm-hmm. And on a day, I, I hated the fact of analytics. Um, I didn't do well in it in school, in my undergrad. But while ever we were, whenever we were making decisions on how to move forward for a certain project or a certain decision had to be made, it was based upon someone's gut or someone's, um, an idea someone had that sounded great. And sometimes that made sense and sometimes to me it didn't. And I would always, my rebuttal would always be through a number or through a fact. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, let's say we were gonna hire a new um, vendor to take care of something. Uh, Somebody would say, hey, I've heard they do great work, we should hire them. And my answer would be, well, they're really expensive or they're more expensive than other companies that have been rated better than them. We should consider other companies as well. Yeah. So I always saw myself going back to numbers. Um, and so that kind of led me to wanting to get a degree in economics, um, surprisingly, when I didn't do well in an undergrad, but I found out that I loved it um, when I started, when I went back to school. So you went back for your master's in economics? That's correct. So I went for my master's in economics. Um, and then one day um, while heading home from a part-time job um, during the recession in 2008, I sat next to a random person on a train, started a conversation, found out that he worked in analytics, talked about what I understood about analytics and um, uh, through, through my classes I was currently taking um, for my master's in economics and uh, ended up, he ended up being my boss about two weeks later. And that's how I kind of fell into the role. So sometimes the world works in mysterious ways and uh, you count your blessings and Alhamdulillah, you know, I got the opportunity to jump into this through a random encounter. Now you're making it sound so easy. Like, you know, I'm gonna go find my future job if I just exist in the world. What what did you do in order to get to that point? I think there's a lot of backstory there as well. It's not just, you know, um, pure luck. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, at certain points in time, opportunities get opened up for you mm-hmm. and you have to take advantage of them when you get them. But to get those opportunities, I think a lot of hard work and initiative and effort and prayer has mm-hmm. to be associated with that. So for me, um, I remember that, like I said, it was during the recession. 
and I put out 734 applications for different jobs. Wow. And did not get any, just kept on getting these refusals after refusal after refusal. And I know it's that high because I still have the email responses in my Gmail account oh for God. all of those no's. So um, that was a tough time, but you know, the other option is nothing. So you keep on pushing forward, right? How did you keep from getting discouraged? I mean, that's something some people will get about 20, 30 applications um, refused and they'll be like, okay, I'm not going to try anymore. Uh, I did get discouraged. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I get discouraged on a regular basis. I fail often, but I think because I failed so often, um, you kind of find reasons of how to move forward or you learn from those failures, right? Mm -hmm. you know, for example, maybe my resume wasn't as up to par as to other people who were applying for that same position. Or when I spoke to the person, I wasn't as prepared or well-versed as I could have been about my backgrounds or why I want to take on that role or mm -hmm. why I'm the one who should get that position versus someone else. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like practice makes perfect, right? So you, you fail on an interview or you don't get an opportunity or someone says no, you find out what you could do better and then you move forward with that and take that bit of advice and make yourself a little bit more polished. Mm -hmm. And then you fail again and you get polished up again. So. But there were a lot of times where I would just stop. I'd spend weeks of not doing anything during that period of time um, just to take a break and to kind of clear my mind. And then when I was ready, I'd get back up. And that's so inspiring because it's something that you, I think a lot of people go through but don't really bring up much, mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate because it is, it is part of the process. Um, I, I agree 100%. I think, um, I think it's helped me also with my career because I'm, I'm I'm uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm I'm thankful for where I'm at because mm -hmm. of where I was, right? And I see how important it is to have a job and to be able to work and to be able to look forward to my day-to-day -day work because it was two years where I sat and played PlayStation, you know, on my free time because I had nothing else I could do while I was waiting for somebody to call me mm -hmm. to say you're hired or to say hey we want you to come in for an interview. So mm -hmm. um, uh, I definitely count my blessings more often than than others who have alhamdulillah and not had those struggles. Mm -hmm. um, so going back into just uh, what what requirements um, does someone need education wise in order to get into your profession? So there's a few ways you can get into analytics. Um, mm -hmm. We'll talk specifically about marketing analytics because that's what okay. I'm in. Um, so for me, uh, my, my background was a master's in economics. So that's one way you can have a, a master's in statistics. Mm -hmm. um, you could go for an MBA in marketing. Um, and then you can also go into computer science, computer engineering, um, or also uh, what's become big, big most recently is marketing analytics itself has its own degree you could get. Okay. Uh, and then going from there in order to apply for jobs to what do you think went wrong and how would, how do you, what advice do you give someone uh, on what approach to take when they're applying for jobs in order to land one? Sure. So I think, I think each company is always, in the world of analytics specifically, each company is looking for something different for what they need answered. So you could be looking at someone who wants to do predictive modeling, which we can get into. You can do someone that needs to do visualizations of data and aggregation and collection of it to be legible for somebody to do analysis off of. Or you could be creating a platform where you could do an analysis off of that. And for all those roles, there's different requirements. And for all those requirements, if you're going to apply for them, you should cater your resume to that, right? A lot of people have one resume um, for, one, for, for every position that they apply for. And I think there's a lot of value of having multiple resumes that you've catered towards the position you're trying to get to. Every single time I've applied for a job since I've kind of figured it out, 
I've had a different, you know, a, a little tweak or a very large tweak, depending on mm -hmm. the role um, that pertain, that changes how that resume looks to that one company versus another company. And I, I thought that that's brought a lot of value. Now going into your actual role, tell us a bit about what do you do as a marketing science partner for Facebook? Sure. So um, there's many hats in that, as I just mm -hmm. mentioned, and I do a little bit of all of the quick examples I gave. So for example, mm -hmm. um, a client may come up to me and say, we have this current strategy we put together for our marketing plan for the rest of the year. So um, let's say a car company, a car company comes up to us and says, we're going to spend this much on TV, this much on search, this much on Facebook, this much on Twitter. Um, and we want to know if it's going to work or not. And then I will do the analysis in the background for about three months um, and put together whether it will be successful or not and how successful it'll be. So for example, they'll come up to me and say, this is our strategy and we expect to sell 15,000 cars. Okay. And I will respond back, I think you'll sell 12,000 or I think you'll sell 18,000. And then we have a discussion about why I believe that's the case or not. Mm -hmm. What I do to answer that is look at all of the marketing data that they just told me they're going to, you know, all the marketing information that they just provided to me. Mm -hmm. But I also look what's going on in the economy. So for example, um, are more people buying cars right now because it's the season to buy cars or are gas prices higher now than they were last year at this point in time or six months ago? So I, I try to look at what's going on in the world as a whole. And then also what's going on with the company individually versus its competitors. And um, it's interesting because on the predictive analytics that I do, um, I've had an example where I was able to predict to 98% accuracy of what's actually going to happen to them that, that in, in, in a six month time span of how many cars they're going to sell. And that's hugely valuable to those companies because I can th therefore in some ways predict the future. How did that make you feel when you made that pre prediction and you were so close to that 100% accuracy? Oh, it's awesome. It's the greatest thing ever. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing going to a CMO or a CEO and saying, I have a better idea of what's going to happen tomorrow for you than you have an idea at this point in time with the information you've given me. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you might be able to hear the smile <laughs> in my voice right now while I say this. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's rewarding because um, there's a lot, of, a lot of work and effort that goes into it for those three months. And it's nice to see that the work I actually do has a value and mm -hmm. can have an effect um, with, with how society can move forward for whoever's buying a car at that period of time. So um, uh, it's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And when you give them that um, first uh, piece of advice in those, in that three month period, how long does it take you to, do you give proof of why it's going to work and how long does that process take? Sure. So um, the, the, the proof is the, the first number, but the proof before that is I take their data that was used in the past three years mm -hmm. and show them how that data has affected their sales for the past three years first. So mm -hmm. for example, what worked last year for them in TV and what didn't work in TV or what did work in Facebook and what didn't work in Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I, I, I built some credibility and that takes about a month and a half to do. So once that credibility is being built about understanding what worked in the past for them, I can therefore take that information and say, based upon what has happened in the past and been successful or unsuccessful for you, I can now tell you what's gonna work for you in the future if a lot of the things stay consistent. So for example, you know, I could not predict COVID, obviously. <laughs> so, um, excuse me. So because I couldn't predict that, I would have been wrong for this period of time about mm -hmm. what would have worked or not when I made the decision in January about how successful they would have been or not. 
Yeah. Um, we're going to get into that a little more, but first I want to ask you, what are the skills that are necessary for your role? Okay. So uh, the, the first thing for mine is the economic background that I have. Uh, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a field within it called econometrics where you l run these models and you learn how to create these algorithms per se. So an mm -hmm. example of an algorithm would be when you go into Google and you search for something, a lot of times when you start typing in the word or the words that you want to search for, it gets filled in automatically. It's because you've typed in so many words at so, you know, at so many different times, Google has started to understand your lingo and how you work and how you think, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's a form of predictive modeling. So I do a simpler version of that for the work I do, but so you need to understand econometrics and how, to, how the math works behind that. Mm -hmm. But um, on top of that, you also just need to understand how society works. Um, so like a social, you know, like a sociology or psychology of how brains or people work as a, as a population. Because I'm not trying to predict what one person's gonna do, I'm trying to predict what, how the population will respond to the economy or how the population will respond to a TV advertising as a whole. So th there's a little difference between that um, with you know, figuring out what a person does, but what a, a population will do. Mm -hmm. And how can someone figure out if this is the career for them? I think you have to try it out, uh, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, with me, like I said, I started in contracts and litigation. Uh, from there, I went into finance. Um, and then from there, I, I, I ended up in this by accident. And I think each and every job that I took and career I tried to start was valuable in me getting to where I am and understanding that this is what I like. Mm -hmm. there, there, there are some people who can right away fall into the, you know, their first step, the first try, they got exactly what they wanted, but that doesn't happen often. Um, and I consider those people lucky, but I also consider myself lucky because I know for a fact I like what I'm doing because I didn't enjoy my previous jobs as much as I could have, or I didn't look forward to them as much as I would or, or someone else would. So I, I think it's just try it out. If you enjoy it, stick with it. If not, go forward with it. But you should always have something within that job that you're potentially gonna try out or consider as a career, um, mm -hmm. you should have something that you enjoy within it, right? So for example, with me, I enjoyed finding numbers and proving it out that it, it held value for a decision that was about to be made. And that's what I learned in my first job. Um, I also learned that I like trying to figure out how society responds to certain changes in society. Mm -hmm. And that also plays a factor in my job. So those, those are things that I inherently do on a regular basis or I'm inherently interested in. So I found a role where those pieces in an abstract way work with the job I do today on a, on a regular basis. So I think you just, it's just playing it out and kind of seeing where you fit. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't at all. Um, and so your job daily is to basically predict the future? To an extent. <laughs> yeah, some of it. Yeah. Um, there's, also, there's also another part of my job where I'm just trying to see how people responded to mm -hmm. um, a campaign. So for example, um, there's this thing called A-B testing where, and we'll use a healthcare example of it, mm -hmm. where um, let's say there's a new medication that's being brought out and you wanna see if it works um, as well as it should. Um, after it's been figured out that the medication is safe for humans, um, what they do is a thing called A-B testing. They give, they get a hundred people in a room, they give 50 people the medication to see if it works on, on taking care of their headaches. And they give another 50 people a sugar pill, a placebo. And then they do the statistics behind that to figure out if the medication really did work more often than not on the people that actually got it. 
Now, the, the, no one knows who got the placebo versus who got the medication. They just ask people later on, do you feel better or not? Or they ask certain questions that lead to them understanding if the medication worked or not. So I do the same thing for marketing as well. I will look at, I will send an advertisement to a thousand people and I will not send it to a thousand people. And then I will see if people go to a specific website associated with that advertisement more often or not. And then I can therefore see if advertising is really working for somebody or for the population, or if it isn't. And then I try to figure out why it did or did not work. So there's no prediction over there, but that's another form of analytics that's very important and very valuable for people to understand what marketing is working today Mm -hmm. versus a year ago. And that's so interesting. So how how does this go into play within um, how Facebook is optimizing its uh, content curation in order to uh, give people better news, I guess, uh, with regards to COVID-19. Right. So um, the first thing is that Facebook's working really, there's two parts. There's what I do, but Facebook Mm -hmm. as a whole, firstly, is, you know, looking into ways to make sure that the information you're seeing on the platform isn't isn't biased or incorrect or um, sensationalizing the, the situation we're in, right? There's a lot of uh, media outlets or posts happening that are saying crazy things. Um, so Facebook's mm-hmm. working really hard to get rid of that. Um, but then on top of that, they're also giving, which I think is a great initiative that they put together, they're giving the World Health Organization um, as much money, free money, as they need to advertise on the platform about what's really happening out there right now. So a lot of the, a lot of what you've been reading um, on Facebook organically or because of paid media has come from the World Health Organization in some way, shape, or form, um, because Facebook's making sure that the only thing you read about COVID-19 is coming from them, where, where it's helping you give the direction you need. Um, so I think that's been a great initiative that they put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and another initiative that they put together that I, that I thought is great or has huge value is they've set up a $100 million grant for small businesses. Um, and anybody can apply for it as long as you have a small business that's been open for about a year. Um, And what that's doing is it's giving you money back to either advertise onto the platform for free or Mm -hmm. actually money to go and pay your employees during this period of time if you're struggling. Um, There's a lot more details to it, obviously, than what I just said, but I think both of them are just showing how Facebook is trying to do what's right during this scary period of time we're all kind of living in. So in terms of what you said at the end about um, the small business funding, does that mean these businesses are getting uh, advertisements for less and then they're able to put their own money that would have gone to advertisement back into their company and to their workers? So yes and no. So uh, it's both answers. So the first one is yes. Um, There's always a cycle that kind of happens during these periods of time when businesses slow down and recessions can begin. And that's where you have to decide to either pay your employees, pay your rent, or mm-hmm. pay for marketing that could help you make money. And if you don't put it into marketing to make money, you then can't pay your employees next week, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 this it's this constant tug and tug of war. Sense, so yeah. Facebook's giving you, you know, after you apply and after they see how much it will be benefit you, a certain mm-hmm. amount for free to advertise on the platform. So they'll give you credits. Okay. But on top of that, they've also put out where they'll help you pay your employees directly. So they'll give you a cash grant right now to help pay for your employees or help pay for your rent or help pay for your supplies you need to to build whatever it is that you build to keep your business running, Mm -hmm. which I think is great as well. So what role do you play in terms of deciding what gets advertised and what doesn't during this pandemic? Sure. So uh, the the first part of it is that A-B testing. 
that I had mentioned that, or, or the, the predictive modeling. I advise yeah. on how to create those models. But then on top of that, um, there's just the consultancy aspect of it. Um, a lot of companies put together these media plans six months in advance. So for example, you know, we're talking about COVID-19 now, but the plan of what to advertise today was made in December, right? Mm -hmm. Or January. Um, so with everything going on, a lot of people are working extra hours to make sure that they're just kind of staying afloat. Um, a lot of people are working from home, they have their kids around them, they have other responsibilities. So things can fall through the cracks that are important or, or can be missed accidentally. So one of my roles I've kind of put, you know, we've been put into is to make sure that the advertising that was decided upon six months ago is still relevant today. The last thing you wanna do, for example, is have an advertisement showing that flights are cheap right now or that tra you know, traveling can make the world smaller or the world is so small that it's, it, it's a benefit to you. And um, so we're advising those clients to, to take that advertisement out because the last thing we wanna do is put them in a position where they're seen as being um, callous or um, just not, not aware of really what's going on in the world when they actually are, but they might've just forgotten that this advertisement is about to run on their platform, on the Facebook yeah. platform. So um, it's been a big part of the role just to make sure that everyone is being um, sensible and, and not ethical, but um, understanding and have empathy. Just aware, and, aware. And aware, exactly. Um, another question that comes to mind is, there has been a lot of controversy around Facebook's uh, advertising in the past. Um, and there was a lot of things that came up that sort of put Facebook in a position that it was very, it, it became more of an unreliable source uh, for news. So why should people trust it now? Sure. So I think that I think this COVID is a great example of why they should trust mm -hmm. it. Because they worked really hard at this point in time to make sure that such um, information that is biased or wrong is taken out of the platform. Mm -hmm. And they've hired thousands of people since the issues that have popped up in the past to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, it's a platform that's continuously growing. There are millions of people that are on it regularly. And they're always trying to find ways to make sure that freedom of speech is there, but also that um, misinformation is also deterred as much as it should be. There's always this constant mm -hmm. struggle between that, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to limit people's abilities, but at the same point in time, you want to you want to be fair. So there's there's there there are new teams that have been built to take care of that and are working really hard on that. And I think this is the first time we've seen um, through COVID nineteen where the fruits of that labor are finally coming through, and there are benefits to it. It's not perfect, but mm -hmm. there's there's been tons of data that's just been or information that's been deleted by mm -hmm. us to make sure that you're reading what's really happening out there or you're reading the best ways to stay safe and healthy yeah. in the platform. And that's great to hear because it's something that I think uh, worries a lot of people, especially through uh, mm -hmm. platforms such as WhatsApp, uh, through different uh, platforms also owned by Facebook, just knowing that you are getting the information that you can trust through uh, the platform. Because it's very hard to also filter through uh, the news that you're getting um, through various media outlets. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a big problem everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like everything's one extreme or the other extreme, and the middle answer, yeah. which is probably the answer, the middle response, which is probably the answer you need, isn't always being seen or heard um, because you you gravitate towards the louder noise or the, the mm -hmm. stronger the panic. response. Yeah, the panic exactly. So um, I think. I think the whole media world needs to understand, uh, the whole media and news world needs to figure that out. And this is an example of how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, so talking a bit, going into a bit about um, 
your lo the lower points in your career, how did you uh, manage that? And was there something that you always relied on that pulled you out of uh, those low points? Um, I think in general, support from your family is huge. Um, support from friends if you're not around your family all the time, um, but also faith. Um, I think I think during all of these jobs and all of these bumps and bruises and twists and turns, I've always kept my faith as strong as possible and, you know, and prayed that it'll work out. And I believe if I didn't have that faith or I didn't have that focus or that understanding that, you know, you know, with, with the greatest of difficult, difficulty, there's ease. Um, mm -hmm. um, I think without that, I, I wouldn't have survived during certain periods of times, or I'd be in a dark, dark place for longer than I was. Um, so I, I, I think faith was a huge part of it. Um, something, a question that comes to mind is more, is also about, you know, being in uh, the advertising and marketing world and uh, trying to manage your faith. We actually just got a question from the audience for you that plays sure. well into this. They're asking you, how do you balance uh, between uh, conflict that you that could arise between what Facebook wants or asks to do versus mm -hmm. religion? Um, maybe you're, sure. so, feel free to answer this, however. I have a, I don't have an answer with Facebook specifically, yeah. um, just because I haven't been put in that position yet with Facebook. So I don't want to make something up. I do have an example at my last job. Um, so after two years of, of, of not two years, after um, switching over to my, my previous role, which was at Group M, great company. I've had, I had, I had a phenomenal six years over there. Mm -hmm. um, the, they hired me. The day I got there, um, they said, okay, we're going to give you a couple clients and you're going to work on the predictive models for them. And I'm like, great. And they're like, your first client's Diageo. Um, Diageo, which I know now, I didn't know then, is an alcohol company. Uh, they're, they're a big company that, that does marketing for, that owns a lot of alcoholic beverages that okay. a lot of people drink. Yeah. But, uh, so I said, first I said, sure, because I didn't know who they were. And then 15 minutes later, I, I Googled Diageo and I found out that it's who they are. Yeah, um, I, went back, I went back to my boss and I said, I said, listen, um, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm totally invested in doing the best I can, but I cannot work for this company and I cannot um, spend time on this product. Mm -hmm. And they asked why. And I gave him my reason why. I said, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a practicing Muslim. We don't drink. Um, I don't believe in this. And I cannot get myself to market a product or to help market a product better that my belief that system is against, mm -hmm. right? Um, and he said, well, that's the role right now. And I said, if, if that's the case, I, I, I humbly have to step away. Um, I have to, I, I'll go look for another role. I really appreciate your time. I'm willing to work on anything else that doesn't affect my, my ethics and my morals. Um, and he paused and he said, hold on a second. And he went back to his, his office with um, someone else and they had another role for Volkswagen. Um, that they were trying to, they were going to give to someone else while I was going to get the role for Diageo just because they decided give Ali Diageo and give so-and-so Volkswagen. They said, well, would Volkswagen work for you? And I said, Volkswagen's perfectly fine. So mm -hmm. they gave me Volkswagen, they gave that other person Diageo and everything worked out well. So um, I think you just have to, you know, I think it was a quick, it, it turned into, I was really nervous when I said it because I was really worried about losing the job. I just got 15, you know, that I just started that day. But I'm a, People are understanding um, and should be understanding in the workforce today more than they were 20 years ago. Um, and they realize everyone's different and diversity is actually powerful now versus, versus, uh, versus a crud, mm -hmm. right? So, um, but you should, you should keep your differences within you because you'll bring a different viewpoint and you can, bring a, you can um, uh, help out in different ways because you're different 
or because you don't follow the same trend as everyone else does. So being that that's understood, companies will work with you as long as you voice it in a rational, reasonable way. And they understood that. And um, uh, they never asked me to work on Diageo or any pork meat providing companies that might have, might have advertised with them or tobacco companies. And I worked on automotive, retail, finance, other companies where I felt comfortable advertising or helping them advertise on. That's so amazing because it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of power um, to stand there and say that when you know that, you know, you could be losing everything you've worked towards, especially when you've been through so much in the, the years before that in order to, you know, come and land this job. Right. Um, so I'm just, I'm just, I just want to highlight how important it is to always have that faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and know that, you know, if I'm going in the path that I believe in, I'm always going to get what's better for me in the end. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think my struggles helped with that because, our, you know, if you hit quote unquote rock bottom, you can only go to rock bottom again. And I survived that. So I can survive it again if that yeah. happens, right? Like um, a, a job is a great thing to have. It's, it's important. It, it helps provide your livelihood, but you can get another one. Um, and if you're dedicated and if you're strong and you're intelligent and you're passionate about what you're doing, you'll find another one. Um, so you shouldn't give, give into your, you know, you shouldn't give up your morals or your, your beliefs. Um, you know, we have a very powerful belief system that we've been provided and we've, we've grown and cultured ourselves or our parents have, and we shouldn't get rid of that just because someone says to. So Ali, can you make, can you work your magic and tell us when COVID-19 will come to an end? <laughs> Okay, hold on. Let me let me let me get out my calculator and let me calculate this. Great. Moment. Just tell us the numbers and how many months we can expect this all to be done. <laughs> uh, inshallah, really soon. I can't wait for everyone to get back to the offices. I can't wait to get back to the office. I never thought I'd miss my office, um, mm -hmm. but I really do. So, inshallah, soon. Has it been hard working from home? Um, it's been it's been harder. Um, it's 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 definitely tougher with having you know kids and and always having the computer next to you and never being mm -hmm. able to fully shut off, but. It's also a blessing because, you know, lunch is now with the kids versus with some, with, by myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, what we've unfortunately come to the end of our show. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning about your career journey, but what's your final piece of advice for our listeners and what's the final thing you want to add? Sure. I think, I think hard work and passion will always pay off. Um, it may take a little bit longer than you think it does, mm -hmm. but I think there's huge value in it for, because you'll learn how, strong of a person you actually are and you'll learn that you are capable of doing more and succeeding more when you know how far you can push yourself um and then also hard work does will pay off because it will be heard eventually it may not be heard today it may not be heard tomorrow but eventually somebody will see it and and somebody will offer you what more than what you ever expected mm -hmm. thank you so much Adi, for all of your advice today and for taking us through your career I appreciate being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was our pleasure. You were just listening to the Umentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Umentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the iTunes or SoundCloud podcast so you never miss another show? Did you know you can also listen on your Alexa-enabled device by just saying, Alexa, play Umentor Talk Show on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for our current speaker or prior speakers, please email us at mentor at and we will get feedback from our speaker. 
Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear from our next guest.